Uh, welcome to Startup Simplified, yeah. Fundy. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Ah, uh, likewise. Pleasure, pleasure, chief. Pleasure. So, uh, thank you for for being our first guest on this series about venture capitals, right? Uh, we we've been speaking to lot of uh, startup founders all this while, uh, and that is when we realized that we should do a series about venture capital because lot of people actually don't. either understand how venture capitals work or they have a lot of misconceptions right uh, there is this lot of confusion uh, so hence we thought that okay let's let's do a series around it right and uh, we wanted to chat with you especially because you come right up there in the first part where founders are looking for their first check in most cases or just after they have raised some money from their family or friends and now they want more capital to grow uh, right you're just out there so we wanted to uh, start the series with you right, right? Uh, before we get into any of this venture capital discussion uh, i would want our audience to understand who you are what is your background so if you want to give a brief introduction that will be great Right, so I'm, I'm from Capital Ventures, who are formerly called Kenangan Capital. Um, this is our first external fund. We invest in our, we invest in, as you mentioned, uh, we aim to be the first check into companies. Our check size ranges from like twenty five to three hundred k. We don't have a minimum equity, but we typically don't take more than fifteen percent equity. In fact, ten percent equity. Um, the the reason here being that we believe. The reason why we're investors and not founders is because at the end of the day, you still have to be the founders driving the company, sure. and we're there to just support you guys. And for myself, um, previously I wasn't from the from the tech industry. Um, I was in the traditional businesses, but then during COVID, everything slowed down, mm. and I was very fortunate that I've been friends with Edward and James for a while, and at that time. Edward decided to actually start the angel investing, and I was telling Ed, "Hey, can I join?" And he was gracious enough to let me be a part of it. Sure. And uh, since him and James were still very much running the day-to-day operations of Kopi Kenangan, sure. Um, I was the one running around and trying to deal source and be in charge of the day-to-days. Sure. And with their support. We were able to invest in some great founders, who, who obviously make our fund, make our track record looks pretty good on paper. Okay. And in the end, I fell in love with investments in the tech industry. So it's it's been what three years now? It's been three years. Okay. Uh, okay. Just for the audience to get an understanding, Edward and James are founders of Kopikanangan. Yes, Edward and James are founders of Kopikanangan. Okay. Okay. And when you say your first fund. Just, just give us an idea. What does that mean? So you have multiple funds which which you invest in multiple startups. So I'm not sure if we can consider my our first fund a fund. Okay, but I mean that's what I just said just now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's actually uh, the first fund is actually our personal capital. Okay, uh, there were nine of us, and there we were just we were just investing out of our own pockets. Uh, This was in early 2020. This was in mid to late 2020. Mid 2020 was when uh, we started. Put right in between of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Obviously, the traditional industry slowed down a lot. That's what uh, I thought with the emergence of Kenangan uh, Fund. I thought it was a good avenue for me to actually enter the industry as well. Sure. And with guys like Aaron James. Uh, Supporting the fund, I thought there was a yeah, there was no no better opportunity out there, no better timing, and obviously, they're them having built one of the more sustainable, high-growing company in the region. Sure, actually helps that, right? Also, definitely, no, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, how many companies have you invested so far in? 
as angel investors have invested in 30 plus companies. Okay. And right now, uh, with our second fund, we hope to invest in 40 to 50 companies. Okay. So your second fund is also again going to be personal money or uh, how? How do we actually, this is our first uh, external fund. Okay. We are also invested, but we have external LPs. And in fact, I think around a large chunk of it come from uh, regional and global funds. They okay. They're actually look at us as sort of a local partners, sort of a deal flow for them. Um, these funds are bigger in size. Sure. Where else we're quite small and we don't, we typically don't do follow ons. Sure. So these, when you say these funds are bigger in size, they are the ones who basically do series B, series C and all? Yes, they're kind the ones of. that do series A, series B, series C. Okay. Uh, the reason being, we hope that whoever we invested in, at least a portion of them uh, can get carried by carry through within the ecosystem and get sure. investments later on. Sure. And so there's the continuation, the bigger files can actually uh, get to know these founders from the first day, which is what it's all about, right? Um, nobody's going to be a finished product on day one. Absolutely. So these funds seeing these founders from day one, how they grow as people, how they grow as individuals, uh, it will be quite, uh, I mean, it will be great for them to see it. Later. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay, let's, uh, we will talk more about your LPs and the fund. Let's let's take an example of, let's say, one of the startups from your portfolio. Yeah. Run us through the whole, uh, whole process. Let's say, for example, uh, just, just think of any one startup uh, within your portfolio, which you want to talk about. Start from when did they pitch you? What was the process and where they are now and what is your contribution to their growth today, for example? Let's see. Any, any startup, whichever you want to pick up. Ah, uh, to be honest, I think our contribution is quite minimal. No, it's okay. okay. I mean, look, yeah. I, I am myself a startup founder. Yeah, yeah. Trust me, you might feel it is minimal. Yeah. But uh, the founders feel it differently because what might be minimal to you. Yeah might be pretty big to the founder at that time, right. at that point of time, right? right. So, I mean, yeah, it's okay. Don't be too humble. I see, I see. Don't I be see, too humble. I, um, I mean, the process goes with, like, first I made the startup, uh, and then I typically uh, always ask for the decks, mm -hmm. and always, and then there were, obviously I've taken down some notes from the call, sure. and the investment committee basically consists of myself, uh, James, uh, Chris Christian, and the fund manager. So whatever startup that we come across, it will immediately go to the investment committee. Okay. And if there's interest, we'll move forward. Uh, probably have another call with another member of the investment committee. And then after that, uh, we will obviously be able to make a decision. We're a very lean team. Uh, sure. I'm usually the guy that takes the first call as well because early stage, we believe that um, the decision has to be quick. Correct. We cannot give the founders any false hopes as well. Sure. We cannot lead the founders on, but we must always, uh, I think it's quite important as an early stage investor. The first thing you ask yourself before you invest is, as you mentioned, how can you add value to these companies? Correct. Even if it's a good company and you feel you can't add value, uh, is it fair to invest in the company or is it uh, better for you to actually introduce them to another early stage fund sure. to be invested by? Because at the end of the day, uh, as, as investors, we get to invest in multiple companies. Correct. As a founder of a startup, you are out there with one. <laughs> you're just, you're all in. Correct. All eggs in one basket. Correct. 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 So... I think the you have to be kind of considerate about their, because the first investor sometimes can dictate uh, where you go. Sure, sure. That's why that's why people always say that uh, sometimes about the market size when you invest. Uh, market size matters, but sometimes having the right partner from day one 
may lead you to a bigger market, may lead you to do bigger things, may lead you to obviously expand your horizon. Sure. And if you get the wrong partner, then... Oh, well, yeah. yeah <laughs> that might not be very good. Yeah, we, we, have, we have all heard and read stories yeah. of wrong partners. No, absolutely. Okay, so how long is, a, is typically a cycle uh, from founders approaching to closing the investment? Um, in your case? Typically a month. A month. A month nowadays. That's um, good. If everyone is very bullish about the company, it takes a month. Sure. But obviously, if there's some, uh, if one of us is more uh, optimistic about the company mm. and others not so much, then obviously it will take some time to convince the others to actually uh, be on the same page. Okay. Oh, if you're comfortable, can you share what kind of consensus internally it is required for uh, you to invest? Obviously, like a majority type, something like that? Obviously, on paper, it's a majority, but then it's always best to have everyone on board. Absolutely. And whenever... I think the thing with us is that uh, there's mutual respect among one another. Sure. Even, sure. Though, consensus, even though we can make a decision with just majority, hmm. we always go back to the drawing board and ask ourselves why uh, one of us is against it. Uh, and then we... We'd rather be more careful with the way we invest rather than uh, becoming too aggressive. Absolutely. And since we, as mentioned, respect each other, uh, we always we always keep on discussing, bringing up the discussion again. Why? Why is there a question mark regarding this company from your perspective? I think among all of us is yeah that that is what have kept us going in the short time we have been investing is that we have always respected each other's opinion, each other's decision, and that's that trust and respect. Interesting. You are in, uh, you focus on any specific industry? No, we are sector agnostic. Obviously, because of my partner's background, I, we have a sort of a love for F&B. Love for anything consumer. Anything consumer? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's let's talk about a few companies in your portfolio. Yeah. Right. Uh, I would I would rather let you do that. I mean, pick up one or two. Yeah. Uh, from from your portfolio, and uh, you can basically run us through the earliest conversations. Right. The idea over here is that I want any startup founder or anyone who's having an idea of a startup. Uh, in Indonesia or in Southeast Asia who wants to do something in in Indonesia uh, I want them to know how how can they reach you and once they reach you what is the whole process like what do they need to be prepared about right uh, in terms of making sure that the uh, that the conversation is relevant right. right so I mean it's always best with the example if you can share, let's say, one of the pitches by one of the portfolio companies of yours, which was like so damn on point that it, things just moved very quickly. Anything of that sort? Right. Anushar? I think for me, actually, personally, if it's so damn on point, hmm. uh, it's a red flag for me. It's a red flag? Okay. Yeah. If it's so damn on point, uh, you shouldn't. It shouldn't be a startup? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the reason why it's a startup is because Uncertainty. Especially that early, there's a high chance of failure, Correct. uncertainty. Correct. And if you know the answers to every question, mm -hmm. uh, then um, am I really the right person for you? Probably not, <laughs> because you're smarter than me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I mean, you in general, founders are have to be smarter than investors. But then, uh, well, smartest in a way to run their business, more sure. eligible about the sector. But if you are just that know it all. Then again, it goes back to the, what kind of value do I add, right? Um, so the kind of founders that I've invested in that I like in the past, um, to be honest, uh, this is not a politically correct answer, but I love, I, I have no regrets investing in any of the founders that we invested in. Sure. Regardless of the outcome of the business. Mm -hmm. uh, because 
we would invest in all of them again uh, in any other industry. Sure. Obviously, they have to learn what the industry first. Yeah, but then, of, course, of course. But then, of course, as early investors, I think uh, the most important thing for us is their character, right? <laughs> and their dedication and their humility. I mean, all those basic human qualities that just makes you a nice person to work with. Okay. So that, 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 that leads me to the question, right? Especially for this early stage investment. Yeah. Uh, is uh, are the founders the most important criteria when you're making the investment yeah. or it is like i mean i'm sure there must be some weightage right that okay x amount for founders x amount for industry x amount for i don't know what uh, technology i am not sure but are founders the the most crucial ones uh, in this place at this stage Definitely, definitely. A large chunk for us as founders, uh, how many coffee shops, for example, are there in Indonesia? But I always tell founders, how many coffee shops and how many uh, unicorns are there? In, go in coffee business. Yeah. Coffee business. Correct. Southeast Asia. Correct. Correct. There's only one so far. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you put unicorn aside, how many coffee shops can challenge uh, Starbucks? in terms of the number of stores. Correct. I think it's only, there's only a few, right? That mm. can say they have like a few hundred location and obviously one unicorn. So what's the difference within these coffee shops and other coffee shops? I think goes back to the top, right? Which, uh, which goes down us, right? Mm -hmm. Start from the leader and the leader in those, and for example, Kenangan, the Sopos, Ed and James. And so founders is everything. True. And if we look at the startups, the existing more and the more established startups, mm -hmm. a lot of them have pivoted from their initial businesses. Correct. And, but then they were able to pivot into something successful. Mm -hmm. I mean, we hear about the successful ones. Yeah. Uh, there are, there are, there are a lot of pivots which just. We just pivot into closure. <laughs> a lot of such pivots also happen. Of course, but uh, that's that's why. I mean, that's that's a game. Yeah. I mean, the difference. Yeah. The difference at the end of the day is the founders. Correct, correct. And the founders' ability to grow, the founders' ability to adapt, and I think you can tell that uh, someone who continues growing, mm -hmm. the company will only grow as far as the founders grow. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, but you are again coming in very early stage. Uh, this is the stage where you meet a lot of founders who are first time founders, right? Who are building companies for the first time. Yeah. Multiple founders. Uh, have you witnessed founder conflicts? Oh yeah, a lot. Okay. A lot. Uh, I, I want you to I want you to give us an idea. Again, for this, please don't take names. Although you have not taken a single name so far, I will hold you to that to us. <laughs> but in this one, don't take names. But uh, let's let's just talk about founder conflicts. Uh, in your opinion, what leads to them? Uh, founder conflicts. What are the red flags which you see when you are, let's say, interviewing founders for the first time? Uh, Red flags would give you a heads up that there might be conflicts, for example. I'm just uh, questioning from top of my mind. But purely from a founder conflicts perspective, I just just give me just give us an idea of of what, how, why, and the impact. Right. This is actually um um back in the when I first when I first started uh, meeting founders, I actually thought having Aggressive founders are good. Both, uh, let's say I made a team, a founding team of two or three co-founders and all of them were aggressive, were trying to cut each other. In the early days, I thought that was a, that was a good sign. But again, it's only later on that I, again, see Ed and James, uh, and then see other successful founding teams. I think the successful ones are able to respect each other in the sense that they don't cut each other off. 
when they speak to investors, I think that's the first sign. The one sort of pullback, one sort of push. Correct. Um, you can't have both one thing the spotlight. You can't have both one thing the to be the front face of the company. But then who's going to run the business? Correct. Um, you can't have just like as I mentioned just now. Can't have both. In my opinion, be able to pitch perfectly, right? Like if both founders are too perf- pitch perfect, mm. <laughs> something's wrong. <laughs> I wouldn't it's say too rigorous. It's yeah, too rigorous, right? Too rigorous. Uh, first, I might get thing. Look, when you're investing to somebody, it's sort of a marriage. It's very personal, yeah. Especially in this stage, yeah. It's very personal because you don't have any data. Uh, I mean, there's not much data, data. Minimum data. There's not yeah. much data. Uh, especially if someone is a first-time founder, so you don't really have any background as such. It's very limited background in terms of education, what jobs they have done. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think I agree. It's a very personal thing, right? I mean, it's a very personal thing, and and of course, like founder conflicts, the ego, and all that. Correct. You can tell Correct. somebody um, just wants to have it all, right? Sure, sure, sure. And then, of course, looking at the cap table, that's also another. Yeah, let's let's talk about cap table, yeah. Okay, you want you want to complete this loop about founder conflicts? Oh. Anything else you want to add? No, no, go for it. No, no. Anything else you want to add? No. Uh no, just the cap table thing. Oh. Uh, let's say if you are, to be honest, so a lot of the companies have uh, cap tables of co-founders that are equally divided. Okay. But you really ask yourself, like, is everyone equally divided? In terms of in terms of roles in the company, okay. I what 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 ideally do you think should be a cap table like initial cap table between the founders? Should it be based on how much investment they are putting in, or should it be based on how much uh, responsibility one is willing to take? I think it comes from responsibility, right? Uh, I mean, there might be cases where everyone's you, the founder, the co-founders are supposed to be equal, uh, but then they're, for the most part, I think the more successful founders tend to be self-aware. Correct. And when you're self-aware of your partner's capability, of your capability, uh, that's what makes a great founding team. Sure. And in terms of like time span, commitment, and the humility to un- to know that you cannot do it alone. I think those kind of things can be seen from the cap table, how they structure it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also as investors, right? Back to being investors, the right investors or not. If an investor want to take a large chunk of your business from the get-go, even for, let's say, pre-seed, five million, uh, five million round, 15 money posts. Mm. That's thirty percent of your business. Correct. Going around. It's just going out there. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Would you not rather take one million for a five post mm. or six post? That's fifteen to twenty percent. That ten percent is going to be a lot of difference. Correct. In the long run. In the long run. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, okay. I was just speaking to one of the founders recently. Uh, Jan, I was speaking to Jan from Basket, uh, okay, and uh, we we recorded a podcast last week. It was a good fun podcast, and uh, I asked him that, did you get questions when? And he's just raised a seed, right? I'm like, did you get questions about your co-founder being your wife, right? Because it's two of them, right? No, uh, co-founder being uh, his wife, and he's like, yeah, I did, and I'm like. Look, I can understand to some extent that some of the investors might be worried that I'm look. It's just two of you, and it's a marriage. You know uh, how how the graph for marriages can be very fickle, yeah, and that might impact the company directly. And he's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's a valid question, but then again, it can happen to me with anyone, not only with 
my wife it can happen to me with let's say if i had a male co-founder or if i had anyone else whom i'm not related to as well in your experience have you seen anything of this sort like for example if let's say the founders are in relationship the uh, the conflicts arise or or yes or no i mean i'm just talking very uh, trying to generalize it but in anything in your experience you've seen something like this uh you mean when the founders are in a relationship well we actually invested in one where the founders are in a relationship and uh yeah they actually gave me a pretty good justification for it as well sure uh and no to a question we have not uh luckily we have not encountered uh investing in a couple whereby they actually got into conflict sure but again this couple actually mentioned that this my partner understands me better than anyone else in the world we've been together for a decade or more i know them well i know them well <laughs> i know them well yeah, yeah. i mean same argument as what yan gave right yeah. if i'm going to argue with my partner then i'm going to i might argue with anyone else my like conflict of anyone absolutely and they're still going to stick so no i i i i actually i'm aware of which couple you're talking about yes uh again no names but yeah i'm i'm aware of them and i absolutely agree yeah 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 i absolutely agree i know both of them personally and uh yeah i mean if they can fight then they would fight with anyone yeah yeah right <laughs> so it doesn't really uh, and matter they were in a tough industry right? correct correct very aggressive industry very at that point really yeah. and they could have fight they could have Ter- fought. it was Ter- very easy for them to fight yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean at the end of the day today they're still partners yes which proved their point right correct, correct. Yeah. absolutely okay yeah, good one good one good one uh talking about cap tables yeah right so uh especially when the uh, when the startups are very young yeah they tend to raise money from their friends from their family members uh and then probably somewhere a uh a uh, a seed fund like yours yeah. comes into play when they have gained uh, gained certain traction yeah. right uh the, the angels which help them uh the founders be they, they might be helping them with let's say engineering support or analytics support or marketing support in some cases like in our case we have we have angels who are hands on yeah right i mean uh, they're very helpful very hands on uh where do we see uh kinangan as a fund uh be standing in in uh, with the founders in terms of support right uh, what kind of support do you offer there are some funds which i know of they are like they are very clear that here's the money especially pre seed seed funds here's the money send us the report right and then there are some funds which are very active uh in terms of their support where do you stand well um actually for us it's more of a whatever the founders need us and we are more their friends than 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 their institutional investors because our tech size our business smaller only 50 to 300 and we don't take more than 10% equity most of the time yeah and then this check us the check is still pretty big for that stage yeah but I think at that stage if you institutionalize everything you start off uh if you sort of formalize everything too much mm-hmm. and the relation that means there's a barrier in the relationship correct um then the founders will not be as open to express themselves experiment mm-hmm. new things correct because there's that fear right absolutely uh, and then there's the pressure so we try not to pressure any founders who have invested in we just try to be helpful when uh, how are you helpful how am i helpful yeah other than introductions and to obviously our lp base and to our network sure and obviously the more i guess my partners being uh, the founders of kopikanangan they're able to actually share the learnings the learnings right of mm-hmm. the early days correct and what to do what not to do the pitfalls to avoid obviously everything doesn't fit in a box of course but at least these guys uh my partners have gone through it right from a startup perspective 
And I guess for me, I'm, uh, I have traditional businesses. Most of it have failed. <laughs> so, so I like that. So, so, I mean, I can tell them it's an early stage company. I'm sorry, I should not be laughing at this. I, I mean, no, I mean, I can. Being a failed businessman allows me to tell them not to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so, uh, okay, let me break this answer down in two parts. First part is the introductions. Right. Apart from the introductions, as you mentioned, I believe that's a very important one. Uh, people, a lot of people don't value the the worth of network and introductions, but it is immensely invaluable, especially for an early stage founder. Yeah. Uh, the ease of access to, let's say, another founder or uh, talent or whatever, it's immensely helpful. It yeah. saves a lot of time uh, and saves a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Right? You make lesser mistakes because you can learn from someone else's mistakes. That is number one. Absolutely, I believe that is that. And you have a pretty large thanks to your uh, LPs as well as yeah. other founders in the network. The network has become pretty pretty larger. And of course, then you have Kenangan founders who have sort of done it. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, but but then at the same time, I believe that just now you mentioned hiring and thing. Yeah. I uh, we don't do that unless the founder requests. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff, right? If we get too meddlesome, first the founders have to create the company culture. Correct. After that. The founders has to be the guy that is making the decision at the end of the day. It shouldn't be the inf investor. Uh, oh. For us, it's very important that we become a founder-friendly investor, at least from an operational standpoint. Mm -hmm. uh, we will give feedbacks, but we will not never force a founder to do something. Even if the founder want to take, for example, uh, Let's say they have a 200k cash in bank, they want to take a 20k monthly salary. Obviously, that's not a good, <laughs> that's not good. We will tell you it's not good. Of course. But at the end of the day, it's your company. It's yeah. your company, yeah. right? Uh, if you, that's how you really want to run it, I guess. Has this happened? No, this has not happened. <laughs> yeah. totally, but... But what I'm trying to say is for the good and the bad. Of course, of course. We let the founders make the decisions. Sure, sure. Because at the end of the day, if I make too much of the decision, I'll be a founder. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> no, no, absolutely true. Absolutely true. Okay, so you have, you guys have made close to 30, 30 plus investment yeah. so far. Uh, it's been already three years now. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm sure there might there must be a few who don't exist anymore who have or, or everyone's out there in business. Um, actually, only one has is no longer ex uh, is no longer doesn't exist anymore. Okay. The others are still in business. Oh, that's that's a pretty good, good, good one. Yeah. Yeah. In three years, okay. Oh, but this also includes a super high bull market of. 2021 and yeah. early 2022 of investment. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that. Uh, so we saw a, a massive influx of money. Yeah. Uh, practically a lot of wealth redistribution. Yeah. Money coming from large venture capitals and going out in discounts, offers, <laughs> uh, or whatever. Uh, uh, but now, for the last one year or so, this seems to be sort of a calmness yep uh sort of basic sense prevailed in terms of the way operations are being uh, managed yep how does this impact uh impact someone who's starting his entrepreneurial journey today it's actually great right it's a great it's, an, it's actually an opportunity as well for uh investors i feel that means you're going to get uh, entrepreneurs who actually is in it to build something and to change something to make a change 
during the bull market, uh, we see a lot of uh, founders who are in it to get a high valuation, sure. to optimize valuation from day one. I think I'm seeing that less and less today because at the end of the day, the reason why you want to fundraise is to expedite your growth. Correct. It's not supposed to actually be your number one business fundraising. Correct. Correct. Uh, if you can actually grow into a billion dollar company in five years, then why will you take VC money? Correct. 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 Uh, the only reason why you take investors' money is because you cannot grow that fast. That's why investors are investing at a bit of a premium. Mm-hmm. And then you can sort of build into the valuation um, in a few months or in a year. Sure. Not in five to 10 years. Okay. Uh, okay. Let me ask you something which which I have been reading. I'm not an expert at this. I've been reading. So I'll let you, dis- to, I'll let you decide the authenticity of it. And then probably if it is authentic, you can respond to it. So what I've been reading is that there are a lot of companies uh, which basically pulled large sums of money at insane valuations, like massive multiples uh, compared to the revenue or in some cases compared to just the growth, right? Uh, Not even revenue, massive multiples. And now they are running out of money. They have to raise more. But they cannot because the valuations don't fit in anywhere box. Uh, and in a lot of cases, they are they they're just being told that, hey, listen, you are basically not investable uh, anymore, mm-hmm. right? Uh, how does one avoid falling into this trap? How does one avoid, as a founder who's starting today, as a founder who's invest who's raising money from you today? How can one avoid falling in this trap? Ah, uh, I see. Uh, good question for us is about optimizing valuation, right? Like mm-hmm. I mentioned, how many companies? Uh, a lot. I mean, in 2020, 2021, you see a lot of pre-seed companies raising double-digit valuation. Yeah, get cool. Yeah. In stealth mode. Exactly. Can you? Uh, do you not realize that some public companies in Indonesia? has the same valuation as Correct, correct, correct. Absolutely. So... Absolutely. That's obviously for me, at the end of the day, the pressure will be on you to live up to that valuation, to raise a bigger round, because investors need returns too. Sure. And at the end of the day, because they have invested in you, you'll be the one as a founder that gets the bulk of the pressure. Sure. Investors get pressure from LP, they throw it back to you, and... What happens to the company then? Then the company will not have the right intentions anymore. Sure. They will not be building the fundamentals. They will be chasing metrics. Sure. I think in 2020, 2021, the metrics of the day was gross merchandise value, right? Yeah, uh, just, it's, it's super funny. But suddenly today, thesis, the, the investment thesis of a lot of investors have changed. When you talk about GMV, they immediately switched off. Yeah. But as investors who were chasing metrics back in the day, that's all you know. Correct. You never learn how to build a fundamental business. Correct. So that's again why I'm lucky that uh, obviously I have the guidance of Edward and James who have built a, a, what is I think a fundamentally solid business to see that and compare it with uh, some others that actually focuses more on pure vanity metrics, I would say. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Absolutely. So, uh, very, very fair, very fair. Uh, let's, let's give, let's give an, give our audience uh, a breakdown of how a early stage venture fund works. Yeah. Right. So, uh, in your first, let's call it your first fund, yeah. which you have, where, from where you have invested in, let's say, odd 30 startups, which was, Predominantly your own personal money, right? Yeah. You, James, uh, Edward, and the other, uh, how many, how many, nine of you? I think it was nine of us. Yeah. Nine of, nine of you, right? So, basically these nine become the lending partners. Would it be right to say? Uh, In terminology? Lending partners, how we become the, I guess we become, I, 
I guess we're the investors. You're the investor. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, well, we were speaking just before we start the podcast that you are closing another round. Yeah. Uh, I think by the time the podcast goes live, uh, you would have already completed it. Yeah. What? How does this happen now? So you're closing another round of fund, and this time you are pulling in money from other funds we're and individuals. Uh, money from external investors. Okay. That uh, so for the first fund, mm-hmm. um, it's all affiliated party, right? It's basically a family and friends. Sure. Pulling a very small capital together to invest in early stage companies. Mm-hmm. It was very informalized. Yeah. There were no formalized investment committee. Sure. But it's, it's just more of friends like hey I am putting in money you want to put <laughs> yes, it's like that put, yeah. well, let's put it together yeah, yeah, right? yeah. but then for the second fund for our first external fund that's actually more formalized where we have investment committee of four of us sure and I think the investors as I mentioned was like regional and global funds make up a large chunk of that uh, and some local family offices okay for sure okay you have quite a few entrepreneurs also, right? Uh, as a part of your investors in in your fund. Um, yeah, no, we do. You do, right? We do, we do. You do. Okay, we do. Okay. So obviously, those entrepreneurs will add some. Well, uh, those ex-founders and exec from some of the leading internet companies will actually help in terms of strategic value, strategic value, and guiding the founders. Sure. Uh, if they want to connect to these, uh, to these, uh, I mean, more established founders, then obviously yeah. they can do that. Yeah. Sure, sure. And how does the returns work for for this early stage of fund, right? Because from again, not an expert. Yeah. Uh, from what I've read, heard, and whatever I've discussed with other right. venture capitals, I believe for the larger funds, the return cycles are. 10 years and 12 years and more. Yeah. But for for an early stage fund like yours, what kind of return, how does the return cycle work? I mean, only if if you're comfortable sharing. I mean, the typical fund life is the same among, I think, most funds is the 10 years. 10 years. And deployment period is typically three to five years. Okay. And so, uh, the reason why deployment period is three to five years is because you don't want to be too over concentrate that in terms of investing in the same year because it's impossible for that many companies to be that good. Correct. And then one year, true, true. It's just uh, humanly impossible. Sure. So, and then in terms of the return, I can't say what kind of return we'll get from the second one. Hopefully we'll return. <laughs> <laughs> That's your word. Yeah, now I'll try my best to do that. But still, for the first one at least, we're able to return our capital pretty early on. We're really? able to make some exits. Okay. Uh, we had three partial. Uh, we have four partial, three partial exits, and three full exits. Nice. We were able to return the fund within one and a half years. Uh fund. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, yes. Sure. Uh, we were able sure. to get a one point six x DPI. It's pretty good. Yeah, it was okay, and I think as you mentioned earlier, it was a combination of a lot of factors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All of which luck and bull market being in the center of it. True. But then on another hand, why it why we have the confidence to actually raise an external fund is because our fund size again is still small, our thesis remain the same, True. valuations have come down a lot. True. And obviously the Kanangan founders, James being my partner for this fund, I think gives me a lot of confidence. True. And I think another member that I have not talked about this Christian. Christian is, I think, one of the, if not the best angel investor for me. Okay. In the region. Okay. Uh, he was the first angel in Kanangan. He was the first angel in many other companies. What's what's his background? Christian's background? Uh, Christian was actually founded several companies himself. Okay. And he was at Mount Sill for a bit. Mm, he was an investor. He was a founder. Nice. And he has been in the ecosystem since 2013. Sure. Uh, so, he, I mean, he, he's seen the cycle. He has seen it. Uh, yeah. He has lifted 
And I think he's the definition of a, he's the industry. <laughs> so, uh, so those guys, obviously having those guys, my partners. So I learned a lot of things from those guys. Sure. 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 Okay. So, uh, so you are actually very new to all this. It's been three years now. Same. Sort of. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah. Uh, how, how old are you? How old am I? I'm quite old. Come on, give us, give us, give us something. 30 this year. You're 30. Yeah. Right. So you started this at 27. Uh, 27 going to 8, yeah. 27 going, going to 28. Why, why dedicate yourself full time into doing something like this? It's very exciting. Trust me. I mean, I am very sure. But so volatile as well, right? It, it's so volatile. Second, uh, it involves large amounts of money. Yeah. Uh, and with money comes responsibility, liability. For sure. Uh, and a lot of sleepless nights. For sure. Right. I mean, we are raising uh, our round and uh, I, I start palpitating. I'm like, okay, this, I mean, so we need so much of, the stress is not about anything else, but the fact that, hey, listen, we our investors deserve a return, right? Uh, they are they are putting in their hard-earned money uh, in us. We need to ensure that that they get a good exit yeah. in, in gradually, right? It's the same pressure on you as well, right? right? Because uh, although they are friends, but it's money, yeah. right? And now it's an external fund as well, for sure, right? What led you to do this apart from uh, apart from James and Edward? I mean, of course, they they wanted to do this. But you jumped full-time into doing this. This is what you do, right? Now? Yes. Okay. And you do it very well, uh, as what I've heard, because I speak to many founders, early-stage founders, and they're always like, hey, listen, Pippin, I can connect you with Fandi. I'm like, bro, I'm connected. That's why everyone keeps telling me this, right? So, which which means that you're doing a great job, for sure. Uh, look, if people are asking, if people are talking amongst each other, that let me, let me connect you with Kirangan, yeah. Let me connect you with Fandi. That means that uh, you one, you're approachable. Second, uh, you give them that that feedback, yeah, uh, good or bad, whatever, right. And third, that you are available for this, right, right. So, I mean, now in hindsight, it's been three years. Uh, what do you think? Why you are still in this? What What keeps you going? What keeps me going? Uh, it doesn't feel like, uh, for the most part, it doesn't feel like work. work uh, unless uh, we're talking about administrative stuff. Okay. Um, I like meeting people. So I, especially uh, speaking to people one on one, has been a, has become sort of a passion for me. So uh, has it always been, or it is it is a newfound passion? I've always liked to learn about people. Uh, I was actually a psychology major. Mm-hmm. I have always loved. Ever since I was a teenager, I've always loved to see what is the, what is the intention of people, what drive people, what drive them to succeed, what drive them over the edge, what drive them to fail, uh, what drive them to do certain things. Um, was it, is it their ego? Is it their need? And if you look at the portfolio company, uh, the founders that I've invested in, I've invested in a lot of sector experts. Uh, I invested in people that has to do this and have to do this uh, go all in or nothing sure and basically that goes back to my point right Uh, uh, the intentions what drive them I have not invested I hope for the most part I've not invested in people who don't need to find a startup to make a living Hmm. Um, so Again, I've always liked that part about about investing, but especially pre-seed investing, yeah. and where the financial modeling is still quite uh, simple. It's still quite basic. Uh, I'm not in a PE where I have to do M and A, and I have to sort of financially engineer. Too crazy. A lot of yeah, that's not for me. Yeah. I don't find any passion in that. Sure, I find passion in speaking to people. Yeah. And also, again, failed businessman. <laughs> right. 
multiple failed businesses under my belt. Uh, I want to see nothing teaches as as good as failures. I don't. I hope I learned something. Yeah, I'm but, sure. But I hope the one thing is that I hope one or a, a few of the founders that I bring to the table for us to invest in, I hope that they achieve what I never achieved. True. They get to the same level that Ed and James are at right now and bigger. Um, that will really be the ultimate satisfaction for me. Sure. sure. Um, so yeah, that's what drives me. Interesting. How do you stay so calm here? Yeah? How do I stay so calm? Yeah, I mean, you have a very calm demeanor. I mean, do you, you have you have this very, very calming energy. I don't know how. I mean, uh, I don't know how else to describe it. I like. Do you meditate or anything like that? Oh no, I I don't really meditate. Okay, um, I'm actually uh, not a very calm person. A lot of thoughts running through my mind internally. Okay, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Ex- exterior is very very calm because I think uh, in any situation, I'm I try to be calm. But in any situation, I believe the calmness, the most patient wins. And no, that is absolutely true. Absolutely true. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I it, you come across as someone who's very calm. Maybe as you as you said that you try to be calm, so you you probably forcing your body to be calm. But thoughts are like out there. Uh, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything which you feel that we we did not cover uh, in this conversation? Yes. Um. Just want to say that. Yeah. We, as you know, we're an angel fund. Um, we are not affiliated to Kopi Kenangan. We're not the CBC of Kopi Kenangan. I sure. think a lot of people get confused about this. Yeah. That, yeah. that we're a uh, CBC of Kenangan. We will put that in the disclaimer also. Yes, yes. Uh, they can actually put me as Kopital Ventures. Sure. Yeah. How do people reach you? How can how can founders reach you? Uh, they can reach me via email at fundy at kopitalventures.com. Okay. Or they can reach out to me on LinkedIn, and yeah. Uh, so obviously, we try to be helpful, but when we invest in you, we cannot guarantee you any anything. To be honest, sure. That obviously, the capital that we promise. That's why we want to make sure uh, the message is clear between. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that we cannot guarantee. Any kind of collaboration with Kopi Kenangan, we cannot guarantee any kind of collaboration with any <laughs> any other founders. He, he's being very clear. <laughs> yes, but obviously, when it's a mutually beneficial or like invested by any of our LPs, where sure. I mean, if there is an opportunity, I think they will collaborate. Exactly. Exactly. So at the end of the day, I think the most important thing for people like watching this and future founders that I invest in is we can open the door. Sure, but. We need you to close it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. This was this was fabulous. Thank you so much for doing this, Vandi. Yeah. You did not take name of a single startup which you guys have invested in. Yeah. Very smartly dodged <laughs> the <laughs> questions around that. <laughs> but I have to give it to you. This was really really good. Uh, I think we hire so many insights. Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of questions which folks have who are starting up now must must be clarified. Uh, thank you so much for doing this once again. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.